about two years ago, we have a, we have two week camp that I have. We did budgets. A little girl put on her budget child support. That that's that's not how we should be raising kids that they think that that's income. She didn't think multiple streams because the household that she raised in, My her mama received child, child support, support. Right. and she thought with with her genuine innocent self that that's a norm. Right. Just like I thought the two-parent household was a norm. Right. So when you're talking about a wealth gap, that baby's already really delusional as right. to the perspective of how you get income. She has conditioned herself at middle school age that I'm supposed to receive child support. Right. You're listening to the Own Your Keys podcast, where we give you tools to own your keys, not just any keys, your keys to life. We're talking about copreneurship, finances, real estate, business, balance, and all things in between. We have Jay, the executor, and Mink, the visionary. Two different personalities, but one common goal. And together, they're teaching people how to master money, marriage, and magnitude. What's good? You are now tuned in to the On Your Keys podcast, where I'm your host, Mink, the Investor Queen, and we have my co-host right here beside me. Jay Goday, a.k.a. Mr. On Your Keys, y'all. What's good? (laughs) What's good, everyone? Well, today we have a very, 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 very special guest. Um, I'm not even going to try to go through all of the many, many things that she is that she's into and all the many things that she has done and that she is doing but i'm gonna let her introduce herself because i mean i just feel like what better way <laughs> right but for her to do it is because i mean when i tell y'all this this woman she has she is doing so many great things she has done so many great things and the families and the lives that she's changing through her work you know it just speaks volumes so I'm excited for this, and I'm so happy to have her on our podcast today. Definitely, definitely. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you so much to the Go Days um, for the opportunity to speak to you. I'm Erica Green. Many of you know me as Councilwoman Green. Some of you know me as Attorney Green. Um, but I'm just a girl from Baton Rouge, from Glen Oaks, Louisiana, to be exact, um, that um, went to school became a lawyer and then became a council person um for the last six years i have been um the council person for district five for the last 10 years i have been the managing attorney for my own law practice a law office of erica green and um it's been a great experience um about four years ago i started a nonprofit called imagination leads where we focus on promoting cultural awareness and literacy awareness in the African-American community and mentoring young black women. And so these are things that I hold dear to my heart. Um, my practice, um, I've had the opportunity to mentor a lot of young uh, young women and men that have come through Southern universities, college and law school, and um, also have had great referrals from the Baton Rouge community and surrounding areas. And so I, I don't take it lightly that I'm in this position that I have a practice that is still going strong and that I have people that support me. And so I thank you guys uh, for uh, just giving me this opportunity to share a little bit about myself. Definitely. And, I, and I'm going to just like 
you know, tap in on this because, and I don't even know if, if Erica remembers this, but you know, we, uh, we, we used to kind of work together. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do. You know, and, um, so it's this, you know, we kind of get in, get into that a little bit more, but that's even more so why, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm elated that she's running for, for family court judge because the background when it comes to dealing with families is it goes it goes so far back you know i remember like i said when me just getting into my career in the juvenile justice system like she was the she was one of the one of the attorneys there and uh and i I think you might have you might have left like shortly after that but um but i just remember like really like her advocating for for those kids you know and this is it's it's so much involved when it comes to family law and a lot of people don't really understand that you have to have a holistic approach when understanding like the different dynamics of family especially you know um, minority families and economically challenged families like it's a lot that goes into that it's not just a, a black and white scenario it's a lot of gray area when it comes to that and you know so I just wanted to like tap into that because I I, I, I always say it. I say, man, I wonder if Erica remember we used to work together. <laughs> I, I do. I think juvenile court holds a special place in my heart um, because many people, many lawyers, don't want to go over there. Yeah. And but but you see crime and you see uh, children with issues and like you said, they need wraparound services and um, many times everybody want to help them only on this side they don't want to go into the court system and they don't want to help their families and so um like i said juvenile court i was a court appointed attorney um so i did defense work uh when there were multiple young people involved in a particular crime so they appointed uh conflict attorneys to handle it and and i enjoyed doing that because i got the opportunity to, to talk with the young people got to connect them to them and their families to different resources and it even started my um my love for uh foster care and child and need care oh, cases really? wow. I, I actually after doing juvenile court i went to work for i was still owning my own practice i was a contract attorney for southeast legal services mm-hmm. doing child and need care abuse cases and oh, wow. i represented the child across um baton rouge and um outside areas many of them were in west baton rouge and livingston and so um then one day i filed an adoption and judge richie um told me you did that better than many attorneys that come through here and then she connected me with the foster care system so with department of children and family services i'm a foster care adoption provider as well Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. That is so amazing. Well, one of the things a lot of people probably don't know is Erica has, um, you know, you got your undergrad degree in criminal justice and, but you had a specialization in juvenile justice and, and, you know, that's, that's to me, that's foundational when you're talking about, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's like, that's a, that's a key when it, when you're talking about sitting on a bench and really, you know, making decisions because, you know, even in adult court, you know, those 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 uh, those people were juveniles at one point, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to understand mm-hmm. where they came from holistically as a family. So I, I guess I want to ask you, like, you know, kind of tell us, like, how that how that experience will help you on the bench. What, what do you think is that, that that will bring as far as you being a judge? So there. So when I, I did cr- criminal justice, a specialization, because at Prairie View A&M, 
we had um, the opportunity to solely focus on young people. So every class, if, if you did criminal justice at any other college, that we had the same classes, but we had them focused on young people. So we did juvenile games. We did mm -hmm. um, juvenile theories and criminal theories. So when you're trying to unpack um, issues with families, and you may have a young person with some behavioral issues, right? And you're thinking it's a parenting issue, thinking right. the parents don't understand um, how to work together, but they are trying to navigate a child that has some behavioral issues or a child that has educational um, needs and they need assessments. You can't just send them to any school. And so when we get caught up in custody arrangements and plans and um you you always going to think, oh, the kid needs to go to a better school or the parents need to do A, B, C and D. When you're when you study criminal criminology and the theories behind it, you understand that sometimes the opportunities and the families that are connected to poverty struggle way mm -hmm. more. Right. So right. whether it's a single parent household, there's some obstacles that that family's already going to hit on. And so if you come in there with a perspective that has not studied the theories behind it and studied the programs that the that have been successful in the community and the um, the factors associated with family breakdown, then you are missing a key area in a helping that family. You're just going to say, oh, mom and dad needs to do A, B, C and D as opposed to saying yeah you can't yeah. even figure out what resources and then yeah. the other part of that is if you're not connected to the community how do you even know the resources right. so you're doing a one size fits all cookie right. cutter plan in families that are very different right. and so i i bring that i bring that perspective and that background to the bench um and i think when we know that our court system and our city is predominantly african-american that <laughs> we need people on the bench that understands our, our family dynamic and our cultural issues. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So for me, it kind of just it just kind of seems like, you know, well, I mean, looking at your background and just, you know, knowing um, knowing a lot about you, you know, you are well prepped, you know, for this seat. You are for for you taking taking on this role in the courtroom. I mean, would you say that? So I, I I would say that definitely the educational uh, background is there. Southern Law School promotes lawyer leaders. Um, yeah. Now the other side of that is we have a strong mentorship um, back in. I have lawyers that I have worked with. I don't say I got here by myself. There are lawyers that have helped me understand that have hazed me through this process. I've had cases against some of them. Uh, some of them I have. Um, you know, had to call for pleadings and things like that as I was growing. That's the same thing I do now. If there's a young lawyer that needs some help, um, I'm going to be the one to offer them some of the pleadings. I'm going to talk to them off the record to make sure that they have understanding because many times uh, we're just thrown into the fire and everybody assumes you're educated and you know what you're doing. That's not necessarily true. Experience comes with that. So when I say I'm prepped, I'm experienced. I have been mentored by great people 
And I have, when I'm, the experience that I'm speaking of, I've been in courtrooms all the way from Livingston and, and, and Jay, you'll know you, that that's a whole different beast. I, I go to West Baton Rouge. Yeah. And so I have experienced different types of judges. Mm. And so I think that all of that, not just going to one courtroom every day, you'll think that, oh, this is the norm. I've seen it all. I've had trials in front of people. Um, I've had some bad rulings. And so I understand being a private practitioner, uh, those things have prepped me, all of that together. Wow, that's that's amazing. So let's talk about building wealth, you know, because the On Your Keys following, they, you know, that's that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to 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 prep the culture and educate the culture on what what really owning your keys really is. And I ain't gonna lie, when I when I found out that you was running, I was really happy. He like, really was, Erica. Like. I really was like. <laughs> I can honestly <laughs> say that, you know, um, as his wife, I would well, you you, I, you probably don't remember that you talked to me about this um, when when she when she was reelected. Yeah. You, said that. you were you were like, I wonder if Erica's ever gonna run for. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. You and it was it was funny because I was having a conversation with uh with one of my with one of my homeboys, and we was just talking about you know, people talk about well uh bridging the wealth gap and that's a that's a, a common topic amongst peer our peer group right yeah but i've never heard nobody speak on the family dynamic how that addresses the wealth gap nobody talks about that nobody talks about that if you don't if if your family dynamic is not intact bridging that gap is almost is almost is almost unheard of and you know your family court judges have a direct reflection especially in today's society on how you are going to maneuver moving forward as a as a family you know we don't live we're not living in those days back then where you know our grandparents you know grandpa and grandma going they're going to work it out regardless two-parent right. household mm-hmm. it don't matter if, I, come if from one, I think erica come you come from a two-parent household also. yeah i do, yeah, it, I do. so it don't it did you know that, back, that's not reality though right. that's not reality right. i but, didn't know that <laughs> about middle school i was like everybody else parents <laughs> but, but I, I was my da- and now hold on my dad is from a blended family so his his biological father didn't raise him well mine and didn't so either it, but i mean it's still you know we still have that hearty two-parent household mm-hmm. you know, right. Dynamic, yeah right so it's like you know back then it was you know grandpapa could have had a whole nother family Somewhere else. Families. Yeah. And, you know, but they was, you know, they was going to work it out, you know. So yeah, now, mm-hmm. so now we live in a society right now where, you know, 16% of households are blended families. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about family law, I always look at the policy. What policies are in place or our, does our current policy support that, that change? So I guess the question I want to ask is that, you know, how do you feel about some of the policies that we have in place when it comes to family law and what, what what's your stance on that? So I, if, if we were in court, I would have said objection, compound <laughs> question. You asked me four questions. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm asking. I know, right? <laughs> so, I did. Um, but I get it. I follow. Like the lawyer mind, I'm like, okay, this, this question. Um, so first, the first thing is that I always tell clients that come before me, is that child support is a calculation that is not done by the judges. Right. That is given to us by the legislatures that the legislators that we elect. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you, I don't know when the last time it was changed, 
but the the purpose of it is that it looks like a two-parent household right mm -hmm. so the worksheet itself and um this is what i do in consults the worksheet itself allows for two parents and their income that's all it requires right and so if you don't have a job we can impute minimum wage to you or if your children are under five ladies then you don't have to work because the court is assuming that assuming that in your household that man would let you not work because you should be focusing on your children that's not really reality right um then on the reverse side that so we have a a, a a policy that's called um child support that the the whole goal is the obligation of the parents is to take care of children mm -hmm. so that's why they have that worksheet together um we get into some interesting conversations when we're trying to figure out income as i said earlier i am a lawyer with the law practice but i have multiple streams of income Ooh, and i know that's what your that's what i'm talking about <laughs> so when you hear me talk about contract jobs um that's what i mean it's it, i I've decided for the past 10 years to not just wait on clients to come in to find contract jobs that can help supplement my income. Because right. uh, if you looked on my push card, there is no husband, okay? <laughs> and so, so I had to make it work. Well, he, and, um, whomever he is, he's missing out. <laughs> thank you. On the, on the airwaves, put it out. <laughs> so the, the wealth gap is already structured for somebody who works a nine to five with a regular paycheck right um and that's not really the reality in our communities or even now and like you said back in the day grandfather would tell he's going to take care of those children with that plant job right um or with that income that he has from wherever he was working he didn't have multiple streams right right then the, the reverse of that is now we have women who have jobs and occupations. And so when they are fed up with granddaddy or their their significant other, they walk away because they can sustain themselves. Grandmother couldn't. She really just couldn't because right. she didn't have that kind of income. And so um, I think that that's a policy that needs to be revisited. Right. Many people don't know a lot of judges um, are, are able to go and testify. We can't do a lot of speaking on issues publicly because there's some judicial restrictions for us called judicial canons. Mm -hmm. But we can go and advocate for laws in the legislature that we feel needs to be changed. Right. I believe oh, that there needs that. to be some yeah. some amendments to the child support um, obligation and how we calculate it. Yeah. Um, and even there, there are child support issues that happen if you go if you go to jail and you have a, a judgment against you it's still accruing yep. i think that's a problem yeah we um, talked about that because because he he's not going to come out out on a on a, a wealthy tip he's going to come out already in the in the, in the back right in the hole because now he, is, he's respected to do that and think about what that puts him mentally when you have that burden on your back you know what i'm saying like how do you yeah. you know how do you go out and you're able to 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 support your children you know or because, there's a yeah, yeah there's a conversation from the other spouse or the other parent that is that's out in the atmosphere as well that he's not a provider right and so whatever his job may be which is not again that nine to five it may be hard 
to him to express how he can take care of the children. Right. I I I want to even bring up in my uh, camp, my summer camp that I had for kids, middle school kids. So I'll give you an age bracket. About two years ago, we have a, we have two week camp that I have. We did budgets. A little girl put on her budget child support. That that's that's not how we should be raising kids that they think that that's income. <laughs> she didn't think multiple streams because the household that she raised in, My her mama received child, child support, support. and she thought with with her genuine innocent self that that's a norm. Right. Just like I thought the two-parent household was a norm. Right. So when you're talking about a wealth gap, that baby's already really delusional as right. to the perspective of how you get income. She has conditioned herself at middle school age that I'm supposed to receive child support. Right. Wow, and that, and, and it, it is. And that's, you know, you, 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 you made the perfect statement. Um, and that was basically what I was asking when it comes to policy is just is that do we can we agree that it's just some things that need to be revisited yeah because some of these things some of these things have just been intact in for so long and they are they, they don't apply to what society is right now you know so the fact that you know just we noticed that that this is a legislature issue but it is an issue because the because it's we, we, we're going around a mountaintop we continue to go around and, and nothing is actually being being changed Child support and some of the and some of the, the policies in family court does not promote for families to 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 be to 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 raise their kids. That's not what yeah. it's doing. Regardless if you are married, regardless if you're divorced, regardless of, I feel like the 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 system doesn't even support families co-parenting. Right, because I mean, it, one of the case in points is, you know, we had an experience to where 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 we we were we worked with a family that were trying to. They hadn't came up with agreement. They were in. They were on child support, and the the the, the mother agreed to go take it. They had. They were actually co-parenting very well, but mm-hmm. because of this, because of the system that has been in place, it was almost impossible for this lady to remove him off oh, of yeah. child support. Wow. Yeah. It is very hard. It yeah. is very hard. The reverse of that is there should be still some standards to removing or to disestablishing paternity Mm -hmm. so as much as we want to hold back this issue men are are signing birth certificates (laughs) just because you said it's my child right right Right. and so that's that's concerning too because later on five six two years from then you realize from wherever that that may not be your child right but the other part of that is the state has an interest the state has an interest in making sure that child is taken care of. That's why we have Medicaid. That's mm-hmm. why we have, um, you know, governmental assistance programs mm-hmm. because the state has an interest. Now the state is also being burdened. So for the mothers that felt like I was on the father's side for a second, let's go back. The state has an interest to not be burdened with taking care of other people's children. Right. And so though child support is a, a conversation that we don't like to have, there, there are some times where the state has been covering everything for your child. And right. even now, they even charge you now outside of child support for the percentage of medical yes. medical yep. insurance. And that's a new thing. People yeah. are like, you know, you, I'm used to saying. 2%. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. I'm used to saying, um, just make sure you put the child on health insurance if you have the ability to put them on health insurance. 
That's the statement that we've been using for the last, since I started practicing. Now the state is saying, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to go ahead and take it out your, yeah. your check. Because the state is saying, we are spending too much money taking care of children. Now, that's an argument that maybe government should help with with breaching the wealth uh, the wealth gap. Um, and maybe that's why now, even even though COVID took us to that point where the government is starting to send um, checks to families to help with those things, I think like they, they could have been doing that before, mm-hmm. and then we wouldn't really have to do that. But like I said, on the reverse side of that, there is an obligation for both parents to take care of children. Right. And so, you know, the state cannot cover everything for your child. Yeah. And so that is why um, we do have laws for child support. We do have now a requirement that the percentage of medical care that comes out of the state's funded, you know, fund is now reimbursed because it's just it's getting out of hand and 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 you know we're not we're not Jap- japan we're not putting limits on kids you have many kids you want in this city in the state and in america right <laughs> so right. i right. think that you gotta weigh it like that right. that's, that's what justice is about right weighing the option so let me let me ask you this you know because that's a good point about the um about the about the health care and and the and the new the new policy that has been created what do you think that would do for those for those father for those fathers or mothers, you know, basically non-custodial uh, parents that don't have access to health care or can't afford to have uh, health insurance? You know, because we have a, a large population of people that, you know, they're on jobs that may not be able to, they may not be able to afford health insurance or just don't have it, but they still will be re- required for that um, additional two percent. How do you think? How do you think it's going to affect those families? So I, I start. I started by saying that my whole career is public interest work, meaning that I have worked it for agencies that that address needs for people who cannot afford attorneys, can't afford court costs. So my heart is going to always lean to that. There are people. There are people that cannot afford um, to go through this judicial process, right. let alone afford health insurance. And so we, we do have to you know understand it I, I don't i don't know if a contempt is necessary for somebody who can't pay health insurance at that two percent um i think it's always going to be a case-by-case basis and that again we have to let the policy um the the individuals in in elected position know that this is an issue right this is a problem and and there there is i've been to a number of conferences there are conversations back and forth and in studies to see is this working i think that 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 whole change came because the state was being burdened but i don't know if that's a again i'm not going to be a cookie cutter judge i have to look at everything case by case exactly so there are some cases that i'm going to have to say um if the law does not require it if i have some discretion that's the part that everybody forgets. Judges have discretion in right. every aspect of this. Wow. Yeah. So you have to use some that. discretion. Right. And I think that's we what makes I think that's what makes you strong. And because again, you you'll be it's gonna be a different approach because of because of the background. Yeah. You know, in and, and because family court is not a place to where you can make decisions off of things that you have never experienced. 
And that's the that's the reality that we live in. You know, we 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 go into these courtrooms with judges that have no experience of the life that we have lived as minorities, as blacks, as people that have to have to go through this every day. And or even have clients that have right. these, these, these type of these things, same these know? same things. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a you know, I think the the holistic approach that you have and the just the experience on all sides of the table to where it is very, very, very unbiased. You know, you have dealt with everything, every, from from the judges to the the fathers, the mothers, the children, on all aspects. And to me, that's what a judge is. You know, a judge has to make yeah. a decision. When you make decisions, the decisions are supposed to come from facts, from from information, and from experience. That's that's the way I look at when you make decisions. And and I would say that um, for those that are listening, that. You, who get upset with their judge's decision and how they rule things that we also look at past cases mm-hmm. that, that have happened and what, what the judges have ruled before us um, as well. So sometimes it's, it is a little tricky, right? And so you, you, you have to then go back and research, you know, how did they do this? How did they do that? Again, I said, everybody doesn't have jobs that are, you know, nine to five that you can get a check stub. So you have to kind right. of know that. Um, And I've had clients that have good money, right? And their problems are different. You know, they have um, concerns that, you know, about private school and and, um, educational needs of their children. And and so when you look at, even if you're looking on that side of the fence, there are still considerations that I think need to be case by case that needs to be supported by law and supported by what we call jurisprudence, which is cases. Yeah. And so there are cases that have come through that mirror. That's what we learn in law school that mirror the issue. And, you know, and I always tell people, don't come in my office with that street law. Now, I know your cousin told you that when they went to court, they got $800 in child support. And I say, don't bring that street love me because I don't know what what your cousin, what your cousin working, what kind of check stuffs he producing, what kind of, you know, background his family has. Right. Um, and so you you have to you have to bring all of that in and then some gonna say she has no kids she don't understand yeah well, i difference- was thinking about that erica <laughs> i was thinking about that i really was what? well i have godchildren. <laughs> i have cousins lord my cousins bless jesus name have have, have enough for me right you know to understand and to have experience and then you know i also understand that life just is, is not it's not as it's not what you envision. So there are times where you're getting divorces yeah. and you're getting separations and it was perfect, right? It was the perfect situation. Right. Which is what I would hope and dream of. I've also dated men with children. So I know the difference with being I know being the girlfriend on the side and trying to can I say this? Can I yeah, add that look, in there? Right. And he's like, you better be quiet. <laughs> so, no. So, there, there is, you know, and many times I, I get upset when the, the female calls me or the mother calls me or the, the significant other calls me to set up appointment and do all those things. And they think I'm being rude. But I'm, I'm trying to understand the dynamic of that household. Right. And I want to make sure I understand that father really wants this and not just you. Right. Um, as well. And so I think all that plays into can you understand everybody that comes before you? 
the community before you're not disconnected. But right? I think that's where experience comes into play. Well, it does. Yeah. It does. I mean, and like you said, all of that is all of that is experience because you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to look at it from that lens if you didn't have those experiences. Yes. You know, if you hadn't if you hadn't been the girlfriend. You know, if you hadn't you know had the 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 guy kids or the cousin. You you know if you didn't if you wasn't if you wasn't entrenched in the urban community that that's 90 percent of what's coming through these through these courtrooms Mm -hmm. you know that's what i mean let's be real it ain't we you don't have to have no kids we the ones that's that's in the in the courtrooms you know so that's that's the reality of it in the in the the other part of the reality is to is to have someone that actually understands all all the aspects of it but i wanted to say this though you know one of the things that we you know that we teach often is is basically um families generating wealth through real estate and i kind of want to ask your opinion on you know because when we talk about some of the policy back to the policy when in family law some of those some of those policy directly affects um families or or custodial and non-custodial parents to be able to purchase assets because of debt to income ratios immediately when there's a child support obligation well on either side mm-hmm. That can directly change the way somebody is able to purchase real estate or other assets. So going back to what you mentioned about revisiting, you know, those policies, just kind of like touch on that a little bit about how, you know, how we how do we break that barrier when it comes to families really being able to generate wealth with purchasing assets when out the gate they're not, they not they won't even qualify. So I think sometimes when you hinder the, op- the employment opportunities, right? So you give him a custody arrangement that may not help. He can't get a second job or she can't, you know, maneuver one. They can't get income to even help build that family further, right? Right. Um, so that's, that's one issue that we have. Now, how to fix that? I, you know, I just think that you have to be cognizant that every situation, I keep saying every situation is different. So if he does work two jobs, I, I have a guy that worked offshore. He worked offshore for a full month and that was hindering his custodial time, right. hindering his child support. He make a lot of money. Yeah. But then he's off you a whole pay month. Right. Yeah. You're not, you're not there. Um, and, and he wasn't there, but he has a desire to be in his child's life. Right. And so that that's something policy i think there needs to be some exceptions to some jobs right um every um law that deals with family has one factor in there that's the same it's a factor about financial stability mm-hmm. it's third so best interest of the child factors there's 13 of them financial stability is one of them mm. and so it's not necessarily asking on the stand what's your credit score but what is your history with employment And so if that's a factor that I have to consider, it will look weird if dad is in an apartment and mom is in a house. Mom had some type of ability to get get a house to be able to uh, rent. Maybe she has she's able to um, have a rental history or 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 then she has a good credit score to be able to purchase. And that's just that's just not equal. That's not equal. Um, but that's a factor that we look at in in just custody. Yeah. Now, moving to child support, like I said, we still have to determine incomes and how that works. 
but spousal support is the one that's interesting. Many, most of us don't deal with that. Most of us on the uh, most African American families don't, because if we we barely got enough to pay you child support, let right. alone we make enough money to also give you spousal support. But spousal support can also be uh, maintaining a mortgage. Right. Right. Yep. So together we built this house, or together we came and got an asset. Um, or we got cars and things like that. Um, that goes into the spouse support conversation. So a lot of spouse support is finances, expenses, and needs. So mm-hmm. you talked about debt to income ratio. I'm looking at need and ability to pay. So right. I'm looking at expenses and I put them on a form and I determine, you know, who has the better um, ability to cover the family. Um, and so maybe even spousal support laws need to be looked at again for those that are, there might have been um, a husband or a wife that was the breadwinner, mm-hmm. a spouse that was a breadwinner. And then um, the, the separation put them in a bankruptcy situation. Right. You know, yeah. and so we don't talk about that because we're always living paycheck to paycheck and expense and needs just we just make it work but right. but when you separate you really can't make it work without additional help from the other party so i think that um those policies you know are things that we need to look at um but like i said most of the time we don't have we, we don't even get that far because we have this much assets and lots of debt so right. it's, it's nothing that i could even address right. then on the other side of that there is community property conversations when you're talking about homes and assets that we got to split. And then when you divorce and you've been married for 10 or more years, you have accrued retirement. And yeah. now you have to split that retirement, that IRA with your spouse. Many people don't know a lot of things that are considered community property yep. that you now have to split. Yeah. And and that that's hard to come back from. You know, if you... And if you it take a year to get a divorce, if you have children, yes, that means the spousal so, <laughs> yeah. that means the community property conversation mm-hmm. comes a year later. So now you've been in a divorce, and the ancillary issues of that divorce yes. for two years, right. let alone three, and right. you're fighting over the retirement that's going to hinder your ability to take care of your children and yourself in the future. So you know when we're talking about policies, there are major concerns with how those things are determined and if it is equitable across the board. Right. right. That's a good, yeah, that was Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Well, I think, uh, thank you. I, listen, let me tell you this. Y'all got me thinking, I'm like, I can't wait for this to be recorded because I'm going to roll this thing. <laughs> because, I mean, you're asking the right question. Yeah. Many people literally just, when they see family court, I get so many people like, child support. I'm like, no, no, nah, it's this it's, is really full circle that yeah. can change your whole life. Yeah. If you have, if you got an aggressive attorney, yeah. because it's one of those, it it's one, chill, yeah, it's one of those, it's, really it's one of those matters. Like it's so different than yeah. criminal than criminal court because it's not like it's not like a one, two, three you know, cookie cutter step. It's like, it's so many different factors that could come into play. So many different things. Like you said, it's like, you know, that's why the judges have discretion because some of those things that you're dealing with a lot of different parties, a lot of different things, a lot of different things that's tied up in the family. Like, you know, you gotta, you have to factor in mental health. You gotta factor yes. in, you know, uh, social economic status. You gotta yeah. factor in, you know, does this, 
does this child is going to leave this house and still have the same lifestyle if they right. go to this house? Oh my gosh. You know, they, it's it's so many so many factors that go into play when they have to make these decisions that is is different. And the, and, the and thing again, go ahead. And the thing about it is, it just affects the families in so many. the The decisions affect the families in so many different ways that it just pulls at your heart because it's almost like the judges are put in these positions to where they have to make the decisions but at the end of the day sometimes it's not even about them it's about the families the families that are affected you know deep at the core right of, you know behind all of this right and the children is you know that's what i'm saying right. families that's what i mean the children's because half of the time we're adults you right. know but it's the children that are affected the most right right and and I think what we are assuming is that we're talking about a, a, a two parents that are addressing these issues. Again, we have um, families that have had tragedies. So then sometimes this is the father or the mother may have died young, right? We live in a new age, a new generation mm -hmm. of issues. And so then you have grandparents that are trying to address some of these issues and, and then, like you said, we might have a mental health issue with a family member. And so then other family members, third parties are now taking care of children. Um, and that's, that's another, a whole nother perspective when, when you were saying, you know, it affects the family, it affects the entire family. Mm -hmm. exactly. I'm talking extended. Yes. I'm talking about, you know, Exa um, exactly. second, third generation. And then when we're talking blended families, you you have I had a, uh, not myself, but I, a lady was in court the other day. She couldn't agree to a custody arrangement because her other custody arrangement clashed with that one. So I I want to have all my kids on the same weekend, but I do want other other person other parent to have time with the child. But it's just not conducive to my lifestyle. Like I need second and fourth weekends, right? So my kids can grow up without with knowing what it's like to grow up with siblings and that's a whole nother right. issue if you got all these custody arrangements yeah. from one person then you have children that are not experiencing sibling yep. bonds and not experiencing activities with their you know parents they can't even go to a football game with parents because everybody got different custody arrangements in the house yeah, yeah that and so your, you are adult. that shapes you in adulthood all yeah. those all, the, all those experiences is what shapes you yeah yeah, I and, mean, and you probably remember your childhood. You had holiday, holiday time. You knew everybody went to somebody's house right, during Christmas. Right. But now it's like Keisha got to leave at two because she got to go to her daddy's side. Right. That's that's a whole different. That's a it's a it's a job. In, and in, now you're in being woke to a situation as a kid that you like. Wait, this different. Right. So then just think about just think about how that you know shapes you as an adult when you have your family because right. now you're like oh wait. Well, that becomes your that becomes your norm. Right. So just like she mm -hmm. talked about the the young girl that was that put child support in her budget, that's her norm. You know, mm -hmm. like so this be, this becomes your norm. And a lot, like I said, when we we talk about blended families, you know, that's the norm now. You know, that that's our that's our norm. We're talking about blended families. And majority of the time it's it's not just mama and daddy, biological mama and daddy that are making the, the decisions when raising that child. You know, so I think that's another thing that the courts have to realize is a lot of times if in the and that's what I call a successful um co-parenting situation you know mm -hmm. 
it might be me, it might be her, it might be the stepdaddy, the, the other all of us are all of us are in conversation and working together to raise this child because regardless if we are not in the same household, we are all in the in the child's life. And a lot of a lot of people don't always realize that when you're dealing with a blended family, it's that's it's not just two people. You got a whole bunch of people involved in that scenario. And it's how you navigate that. Right. It's it's really, you know, how you navigate that. And even you talked about the wealth gap and the concerns, financial concerns, even having conversations with families about expenses and decisions about activities. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe the the child can't be in a competition cheerleading, right, Mm -hmm. this summer. Because it's too expensive on the household. Right. That's conversation that's usually parents that are married or having, right? right? They're saying, we can't afford it this time. But when you separated or you, ne- <laughs> you never were together, she gonna be you in never were together. Yeah, you like, oh no, my mama then made sure that I was in competition dance and cheerleading. Well, this time she just can't do it till she gets to be 12. And so, even having open communication about the things that we will agree to is hard for blended families yeah. because it's so many eggs and so many budgetary concerns because this household can afford this. This household can't. This household, and I always tell people, is it a parenting? Uh, it, are you having a parenting um, issue where y'all have a difference on Nikes versus K-Swiss? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's, you know... That's right. parenting styles. That's right. what I always say. Your parenting style may be different. And I get that. Like if you, I may hate. I grew up wearing kids in case with. So that's why I use that example. <laughs> My mother did not think it was girly for me to wear Nikes. <laughs> while I'm a mess now, um, but I, you know I have seen my 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 family, my best friends and family members who they're like Jordans every weekend, and that's fine. But that's a parenting style issue. Right. That's not. That's not a negative. That's just I want my child to have A, B, C, and D. Right. And I believe that that's not what they should have. And so that goes back to that budgetary conversation. And are you prioritizing those things? And dad may not be. He just may say, I didn't have it when I was younger. My son gonna have all these things. He's right. not saying he also right. cannot go to tutoring class next week. Right. You know, but but that's kind of where people think, oh, he made sure that you know, he had Jordans and I'm saying, let's focus on what we can focus on parenting styles. I will not. The law doesn't allow me to tell y'all y'all can do that. The law don't allow me to do it. <laughs> so everybody's just going to have to buy the shoes they want at the house. The child's did. Yeah. You know. Point blank, period. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this, um, you know, currently Councilwoman Erica Green, I want to thank you for blessing us with your presence on the Own Your Keys podcast. It's been a dope conversation and i can't wait for everybody to hear it and um you know erica greenfield family court judge y'all y'all make sure y'all go out there and vote or uh, two things Thank before two things before we before we sign off i want you to tell the listeners you know what is what is some two things that you would do you want to do differently on the bench that you haven't seen in your career and let everybody know when election day is so I'll start with election day. Election day is October 9th. I, I'm counting down eight more weeks. Eight more weeks. 
Um, oh, it's still then, sound uh, fall. <laughs> yeah, early voting <laughs> September 25th through, through October uh, 2nd. So on the bench, I just want to be a judge that listens. Um, and, and truly listening requires you to slow your docket down. So I don't want to impede anybody by having a long docket. But I want to make sure that I'm listening to the whole part um, of the case. You only get about 30 minutes on a rule date to tell your story. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I can't change that fact. But what I can do is allow um, individuals to still have the opportunity, whether they have an attorney or not, to be heard. Um, and then the second part of that is because my my background is in public interest, I want to make sure that everyone still has access to justice. Um, oh, wow. They have... They have um, a, a self-help desk that hasn't been utilized. You know, technically th- during COVID, it has not been utilized. But I want to encourage um, individuals to utilize the forms on familycourt.org and to have access to lawyers to help guide them. That's what the access to justice self-help desk um, area is. A lot of judges think it's a waste of time They because they assume everybody can afford an attorney. They cannot afford it. Everybody cannot afford an attorney, but they need to be heard. They need to have access to the judicial system. Family court is a specialty court, needs to have a serious person, but someone that is understanding and is connected to the community that comes before them. I am that person, um, and I will, I don't take lightly um, the opportunity that I have. Um, And so um, I just want the community to understand that I value the experiences that you have. And I understand this is probably the most traumatic uh, time when you come to court dealing with your family. And so I wanna make sure that I make my courtroom welcoming um, and the one that they believe is they get to be heard. Now I can't control if you get another you know, judge when it's filed, but yeah. if you come through that courtroom, that's what I envision um, my courtroom looking like. Wow. Again, thank y'all so much. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> Good deal. I'm so well, excited about it because you can tell that at the heart and at the core of who she is, like she yeah. she definitely loves this. Yeah, you definitely, definitely. I can say that from experience, you know, because I've been <laughs> and I saw you in action way back when when I first started <laughs> out. Saw me so. scream at them chills <laughs> and then go back in there and advocate. Yeah. Like I gotta just tell them all. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, listen, uh, I can't wait to see. For you to chop it up, I started doing a little, a live trying to get myself ready for a podcast. But I don't watch a lot of TV. I literally listen to podcasts yeah. every day. Yep. So I, I can't wait to promote it. And, yeah. Um, thank y'all for using your platform. Definitely. You so Go subscribe much. to it if you haven't downloaded already on okay. your keys. And um, you know, we we so you're the first on the second season. We just started the second season, so yeah, we got some of the old first season out there. So go check it out and uh. It'll be up next week. Yeah, next Wednesday. And I will let y'all know. Anybody has a podcast, they tell you. I listen. I'm like, let me tell you what you need to do. But <laughs> I, I really do like to hear different perspectives. Yeah. So thank you. All right. Have a good one. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much, Bye-bye. Erica. All right. Bye. As you guys just heard, we just chopped it up with Erica Green for Family Court Judge. This was such a dope podcast. This was just such a dope recording, you guys. And we just want to thank you guys for tuning in. If you have any questions, any concerns, please hit us up. Y'all know how to reach us. Let us know in the comments what y'all thought. Let us know if if y'all think we just need to just just do it again. Whatever it is, let us know. And we thank you guys for tuning in. As always, on your keys. You did.